right, we're joined by Eric Tessie, aka Flow Ops, a guy I've gotten to get to know a little bit recently. Going to get to know a little bit more today, which I'm excited for. Um, just to, you've been just kind of exploring the alternative health and fitness space for some time, it seems, and clearly your practice has evolved and you've found a lot of value in the stuff we're doing at Movement and went through a wave of the cert, I guess, like a few months ago at this point. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But I'm kind of kind of interested to to know like what made you venture outside of like just traditional lifting and whatnot because you used to be very much like in that lane like I see videos of you like squatting like at least 200 300 like you're in there what made you get out of there I was passionate about it for a really long time and I I invested so much into it so many years but eventually got to a point where the pain was too much the nervous system stress was too much I recognized this um, and then a process of starting to unlearn and then venture into alternative methods, starting to think, hey, this doesn't make sense to, I guess, like be trying to brace my core all day long, or it doesn't make sense that I feel this stressed out, or it doesn't make sense that I can't even, um, you know, like I'm trying so hard to get more muscular, I'm trying so hard to get stronger, and like I'm, I feel like I'm getting to a wall there. So ran into some issues about after 10 years of training, it's just I had to I had to switch up my approach and then that led to me starting to starting with WEC method and then um, like animal flow, WEC method, GOTA, um, oxygen advantage, uh, et cetera. And then you guys. Yeah. And was it, um, were you a trainer at the time too? Like, were you working with people the whole time? Yeah. I've been coaching people since I was like 19, 20. Um, so I, I started pretty young coaching others and I'm going to be 30 in a couple months. Yeah. So, so I imagine like you had a, a bunch of people who were like seeing you for like weightlifting or seeing you. For exactly. And yeah. And I, I, I started to get tired of that too. You know, I want to show people that this fun, these functionality, um, aspects of the human body and get people feeling better but it's almost like they don't they weren't even caring enough about their pains they weren't caring enough about what they were going through personally um yeah so i had to i had to make my way out of the gym scene actually uh the pandemic pushed me 100 percent online which was kind of a blessing because then people started coming to me for what i wanted to train what i wanted to help people with yeah no that, that's it's a big shift and i imagine like a bit of a an uncertain time where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of completely rebranding myself for like the, the things that people used to come to see me for, I no longer want to provide. And instead I'm going to have you swing a rope or, or kind of all this other stuff that like some people would be like, I don't want to like that's not going to help my, my squat PR or whatever. Um, and then, and then obviously like you kind of, you spend enough time in that side of things where you gain some like notoriety and like recognizability in different systems and whatnot. And you would have got like a, a very different type of client. And you were mentioning, we were, we were talking pre-call about like, even now, since you've done our stuff, you, you recognize like patterns in, in clients differently. You see people who are like more on the neurotic, like overthinking side than the people who kind of are already have a good sensory relationship with their body. If you can look back at like that time period where you're transitioning and you were kind of like teaching these alternative movement patterns uh, like the, the go to stuff the wex stuff um, yeah. i'm interested like kind of who was the the type of person that was like interested in that and then um kind of i guess looking back at it now what were some of the issues that like 
came up in, in trying to apply this, you know, like holistic, like movement-based approach, but maybe what, what did you find some of those missing pieces were? Yeah, I'd say like the biggest issue was the buy-in because um, people, you know, people who were interested, it would, it would be far and few. That's what I found in my initial experience. But once I could get somebody in front of me, I could get them feeling the results or feeling the benefit of what I'm trying to teach them, which has always been cool. But when I when I look back at the kind of people that did enjoy that kind of work, it's the people who need movement. I like people who are maybe a little bit more um, overthinking, neurotic, uh, you know, that more more biased towards a fight or flight sympathetic state. And yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I think people just overcomplicate things, man. We see it all the time. Um, all this dynamic hype type training, you know, you could sit, of course there's value in that for different reasons, explosivity, whatever the case is, but um you know, people don't have their foundations in check. That's the biggest issue, man. And, you know, we can go into whether that's the internal pressure, like bone stacking, optimal muscle tension, the eyes and the vestibular system, how that connects to the nervous system, your breathing, et cetera, et cetera. But that's that's the biggest issue, man. Um, we're, you know, a lot of these camps are spinning their wheels, ultimately. Spinning their wheels, not saying that they're considering or arguing with their own statements of uh of this is how it goes there's a lot of systems that are adopting new principles or adopting new stress related behaviors or stress minded like practice but like you say it wasn't just one thing you mentioned as being like it could be this it could be this it could be this they're all connected so at the end of the day if you really do have issues what's the point in working all these like outputs if you can't even manage around what your feet and hands feel. That, that's like the light bulb moment, right? And I, and I always understood that, okay, we got to work the foundational qualities. We got to dive deeper before we want to, you know, start working more dynamic, complex concepts here. But um, yeah, it's almost as if most of these different modalities here aren't even addressing or acknowledging or, or understanding um, all that deeper layer type stuff, man. So. Yeah, we're, we're definitely at a, I'm hoping we're at a precipice here where things are going to start to change or people are going to be forced to kind of acknowledge what we're doing with movement. Yeah, I would imagine that, again, the, your your idea of what the foundations, what the basics are, just continue to evolve as, as mine have, as, as ideally everyone's would as they keep going down mm -hmm. this rabbit hole and like see clients that have like problems they can't fix. I would hope they keep looking for answers in different places. Um, and you've like, and you, you've talked about in, in your past, like the feet, the feet are like the base for your, mo your movement, the base for your connection to the earth. And over, over the years, you've always obviously had a lot of ideas about, okay, what this yeah. foundation needs to be. Um, how would you say like, you're kind of thinking about it now in, in contrast yeah. to like, and then people who are probably tuning in want to hear like, well, why don't you do Goda anymore? Um, so you can maybe touch on, on why you might not yeah, like, like, what do I think is the, the foundation of, of movement or what do I think about the foot now? More so foot specific. And well, I want to talk about just like yeah. different kind of like areas of the body and kind of how totally. you were thinking about it and how you think about it now, just to kind of like see that evolution yeah. of thought and help take other people through that themselves. Definitely, man. Um, I think from the framework that I came from with Goda, uh, you know, I've seen it 
90% of the time, 90% of people that I've worked with, I dealt with at one point myself, but start becoming a supinator, a chronic supinator, and we're over-biasing pressure to the outside of the foot. So that's like a major issue. Ultimately, I recognized this while I was training goat and I was trying to limit the supination, but it still wasn't balanced enough. Um, I think it's a good thing. <clears throat> excuse me. I think it's a good thing to have variability with how we can pressurize through our foot. Um, you want to build tolerance in all positions of the foot, but ultimately there is a sweet spot where we're going to be using essentially the whole foot. Like, I don't think we should be biasing so much pressure to the outside. I don't think we should be biasing so much pressure to the inside. There should be a balance. Um, and there's play with that ankle joint, right? It can, it can move into a little bit of aversion. It can even move into a little bit of supination. But if you have integrity through the whole system um, and you're pressurizing evenly, you're, you're, you're not going to, the likelihood of you getting yourself into a catastrophic injury, I think is extremely low. You know, if you're starting to use more inside of the foot, I think where that starts to happen is when uh, people are putting all of the pressure, like 100% of the pressure through the foot. They got like, you know, pelvic floor issues, rib cage issues, you know, airway issues, midline, midline issues, and you know, and then they start going super heavy on the inside. They have no awareness of what's happening on the outside. They haven't done kettle feet. Right? They haven't done the, the spread there. Um, I think that's when you're going to see a, a shred happen. But I think it, it's a good thing to be able to utilize the ball, the big toe, the inside of the foot. Um, you know, we move forward, we move backward, we move in different ways. We bias different parts of our foot. There should be allowance for all of this type of stuff. Um, and I think, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think you guys would agree um, that ultimately some of the things that Goda is saying um, in terms of like how a lane should look and a leave should look um, based off like what they're seeing on film is, um, you know, it's more or less correct, but the way that they're so black and white about how they talk about it and how they apply it in the training setting, that's where there's so many major freaking issues. Um, and, you know, there, it's not like everything, there is nuance to everything, there is context to everything. You can't just say that like the foot has to just be like this all the freaking time, no matter what. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't know if I would say outright that they have. Um, I think some versions of their visuals are, are on point. Some, yeah. Some aren't, though. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is when they qualify, and I see this often with, like, soccer players, they show this waving affect, and it's usually someone who has, like, rounded shoulders, someone who has a head-forward posture, and then heavily bowed yeah. legs. Yeah, they're already going to have midline issues. You know they're going to be, like, rotating and, and bowing more. You know they're going to yeah. be like more side to side shifts because they're not they don't have the integrity from the middle. Yeah. Yeah, I think a basic thing that we have to come to terms with, and Ben had said something to the effect of something. Maybe he'll be able to remind me, or you will. Uh, it was just in this pod. Um, there's a uh, a habit of not orientating around foundation. We orient around. We can say outputs and make it complicated for people who are like, "What does that mean?" The thing that most people don't orient around is that every single person, if we really consolidated what the issues were, they're the same issues. It's just that they interplay with behaviors different because we have different behaviors. And that's where we see the difference. If we just knew that there's a person acting different with the same limitations, we'd start to understand that, okay, maybe we all need a little bit more pelvic floor musculature. Not even just like... uh so flowability pokes their sits and they do some stuff that kind of, in my mind, prolapses the pelvic floor. I think they're, they're 
they're yeah just as well as like goda they'll be doing a visual that looks the part and then when you start to feel that uh example of pressure you feel that example of tensegrity you're like wow this depends on something that doesn't fundamentally support me or fundamentally doesn't support my ability to be calm and alert so if it agonizes or antagonizes your nervous system such that you feel like all right i need to change how i'm feeling or presenting myself to be able to manage around this added decision or behavior you're adding stress to help stress which fun fundamentally you're ignoring the issue which is the stress so i think that we could make it super complicated and and say hey there's only one way to do it but that's not true no there's a million ways to skin a cat or whatever the expression is but the foundations are the foundations right yeah exactly we need to get the the calm and alert underneath us before we can start to talk about hey does this rotation look good on camera yeah it looks good on camera but can you swallow right can you breathe slow yeah are you choking on your own air and then can you can you feel whatever your body's trying to do and like with with the feet specifically like you can think your outside edge and you can have like I had for a while, like a fifth med head that was actually not on the ground. I'm like, Oh, I'm on my outside edge, but I'm not, yeah. actually, but it's not in a position of like actually having pressure and interacting and like pushing through the ground, even though it felt right. like I can put my weight through a, a different area of my foot. And, and I can, I can also like, um, you can come to a, a conclusion before you even feel the feeling you can think like, because yes. my here and i've been told i'm going to feel my outside edge of my foot i i almost like trick myself into feeling it versus being able to like kind of wipe that clean and be like what what's actually happening and not going into it with so much bias because of the the output that you're trying to create and that's where stuff like kettle feet and and, and going into that without all this like preconception of what i need to feel and what i need to do first just like what's happening then yeah you adjust Dude, what you're talking about right now, if people only knew that the same thing that like makes them predict the behaviors of other people and to expect and not necessarily be able to let go of the, the freedom of behaviors that other people have, that expectancy or that like handling of prediction as if it's a choice or as if it's a it's energy based and like how much energy you convict toward this prediction, it's going to happen. That's a huge factor for people being stressed. If we, if we talk about this stress stuff, and I think this is such a good opportunity, if you guys can help orient around personality, eye contact, the smile you wear on your face, the confidence with which you step, all the things that are uh, seemingly just like innocuous, uh, like secondary parts of how you exist. They all interplay with the same, how are you choosing to present yourself in this moment? Is it a choice? Are you even energized enough to add another decision to your list? Or is this kind of just like fugue state you, you're hanging out and showing up? If none of us are aware of where we're at in that, in that stress discourse, every single one of us is responding to predictions or expectations, likely not even present or likely not even going to come into the experience which is so important for us to understand that the more we spend time feeling something, the more we're going to expect to feel that thing. And that's the only thing that our brain orients around. It's not like how much we uh, 
think about a thing as much as it is if we have a ability to think about something and viscerally realize it or or uh, sensationalize it and then we can exist in the expectation prediction or uh like just nurturing that sensation or that that feeling bias we're going to stay in that tone we're going to stay in that threshold of i can't step out of this if i'm going to be feeling this like if you know you're going to feel something you're going to expect to feel something you're going to feel it because you're holding on to that feeling now my point in that is literally just to say that everyone that thinks they're doing something that they're supposed to be doing are likely avoiding natural neutral just because they're expecting the next thing that needs to happen isn't going to happen without their brain convicting or convincing their body. Yeah. Well, I feel like just head over foot as like an instruction, a thing you feel like you need to make happen in your body is just a very simple example of that. It's literally you deciding you need to be off of neutral or come out of a neutral feeling in order right. to absorb the weight of a step. Yeah. And you know, it's not, there's not to say that there's not like some wiggle when you're moving around in, in certain contexts. Still, yeah, still happens. But, but to like to cue it as simply as that, yeah. not understand the deeper layer stuff and just be like, place your head over your foot every step. Ignore reflexes. Take people, exactly. It's going to take people out of their reflexes, their autonomics. Uh, how is it that we can say to predict a ref or like, here, I'm going to train you to be reflexive by emulating or making a dance number of the of the reflex and then once you've done it enough because you've done it enough that reflex is going to be reflexively reflexive <laughs> sounds redundant but you are inherently trying to convince a reflex to be reflexive instead of so building how a reflex builds which is behavior reminders just the same as a kid learns to speak or talk or walk those are all reflex driven how do they manage their saliva how do they manage their air pressure how do they manage standing up and not freaking out while there's all this stimulus and they're also standing up it's reflex how, how can we turn off these decisions that should otherwise be handled by the computer in our brain stop doing that garbage training yeah stop doing the garbage training and in the same distinguish between like if we were to start, <clears throat> we qualify them as being different, right? Like go to FP, uh, PRI, everything that has some value or a bunch of value, but then their foundations are missing. We're looking at something that's not necessarily garbage, but it's also the foundation isn't clear. So if there, if you were to say like, hey, define for me the the relative image of fitness or what are we looking at as a human what would i want to look like how am i trying their image is restricted by their capacity to perceive their own image so how are you even to say that someone that's looking from their feet or looking from uh the aesthetic of their legs not the sensation driven by the nerves of their legs because we all talk about your hands and feet have tons of nerves it's not so your eyes can know where they are in space. It's so they can feel themselves. So if we start to orient around feeling as your brain does, we start to orient that, okay, there's a lot of things that ignore feeling. They try to make it happen. And they're like, I don't really know what happened aside from I told myself to do these things. It seemed like I did it, but I couldn't tell you based off feeling. I could tell you based off of the motor recruitment I tried to garner. For every person that lives in that kind of body, I guarantee you their body is outputting maybe 40% of their actual strength. And you can see that in people who are doing 
Well, Goda has a lot of people. I, I got who, smaller from Goda. I'll be the first yeah. one to say that. I got smaller. I mean, I, you know, yeah, just straight up. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, there was a period when I just started it. I was, I stopped doing it the way that I was told to do it in the beginning. And I put some bands around my ankles to try to get, create, immediately create tension because I needed the tension to, I don't know, my legs needed to feel strong. I couldn't hit, all of a sudden just like do this with my ankles and be like, I'm strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you probably intuitively felt like that there's something missing here. I got to make my own adjustments to this. Yeah, I, yeah. I think one of the biggest problems is the language really and how, how things are described, not just the, uh, you know, not knowing the autonomic side of it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when you you look at the word auto, auto regulation, automobile, uh, autophagy, autonomics, it happens without you. You're not making decisions. That's the whole point. It's it's to your benefit. You press cruise control, and it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. But these systems are doing the opposite. They're like, all right, you have this extra battery pack that's designed for cruise control. We don't have the foundation to build up cruise control. So we're going to use all that extra energy that would have otherwise handled this hugely valuable function. And we're going to turn it into real-time decision-making process so you can replace what would have otherwise been there. Yeah, it's completely redundant, man. Like, as backwards from how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, Ben. What were you going to say? Um, I don't know. I, I lost my train of thought off that one. Um, but th- that's a good example that it's you're using more energy, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're making your systems more efficient. Um, it just feel like you. I guess maybe you you free up some some potential for movement when you do those very like choreographed routines, and you 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 do gain some degree of like okay, here's where I am in space. Here's how I can. Mm-hmm to this degree of space and there's value in that but th- that value can be gotten just playing basketball playing a sport like you don't need yes. to like isolated like vacuum sealed bubble wrapped container to do those things and, and even if you are coming from like a very injured position where you actually do need a little bit more of that environment you still need to um, find the the ways to recover that are less thought-based and more based and then again you can you can put in a lot of intention to like a step press or like a setting your single leg stance in a particular way and th- there can be a lot of value there but there has to be at some point how, how do i switch all this thinking off and just like get my body to react what what are the circumstances that i need to put in place to make that happen whether that's me as a trainer for a client or if i'm training myself which is harder to do and that's why like it is easier like going through this work when somebody's just taking you through it um, and getting that support from other people and having that something to react to, not something where it's just like, okay, I have to preconceive every little thing that I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know how, I mean, you would be able to orient around this best. I make fun of it often only because it's not something that my ADHD brain after a concussion was ready for. But FP does a lot of stuff that has, I mean, when I'm watching it being done, they're grabbing a, a pole and they're holding it in a way that doesn't emulate like a staff or a spear or an athletic club. But they are orienting around their rotational values and twisting and stuff like that. Um, but when I'd see it, 
it would stress me out. Like I'd see people getting stressed out. And I think one of the big identifiers in social um, coordination is that you can kind of feel what other people pe- are feeling. Like you can pick up on the the social vibe, so to speak. Do you find that you have this? Uh, and I think actually uh, Eric was talking about this. Maybe it wasn't recorded at the time, but do you find that you have a different uh, acquisition of like opinions or feelings when you're around someone that maybe panic induced and you you like it wasn't something you would have paid attention to before yeah i just like i wouldn't be looking at their social behaviors in the same kind of way or just not even their social behaviors just like the the way that they're interacting with their environment i was very looking at the way their internal environment was being managed from an external point of view so yeah. like what their posture looked like, what their pressures looked like and whatnot. But that was different than uh, observing again, just like the, how, how jerky they were and how even listening in a different way to the way that they were describing their problems and the, and the way that they were like perceiving things. Like, I, I feel like I, I recognize mental boundaries that people have set for themselves and I'm, I'm quicker to like have a conversation about it with them and be like, Hey, this like belief or this frame of thinking or, or thinking like an example, I, I assessed somebody who had worked with an FP trainer and I had him just to set up to do a one arm row because he wanted to do FP and I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give you, I'll throw you a bone here. Let's see how you're doing a pull. And like, I didn't put very much weight on the machine and I, and I swear to God, he was just like, like getting so ready like (laughs) and this dude like i already knew as soon as i started like like there was a good example of what you're talking about nate is that he comes over to my place we just go in the backyard it's sunny out and just like the way he's reacting to the light and like how quick he was to get to the shade how quick Mm -hmm. he was just to like sit down even though he'd been driving all day like all these things like there's there's a level of just like not not security and he doesn't feel secure and just like the inputs from his environment are a little overwhelming and then again when he goes to output he feels like he needs to create all this intensity to do it and and i then the conversation i had with him was just like okay dude so i'm, I'm gonna do this now and i just like i, I just pull it <laughs> i just i just pull it that's all i'm doing is like this is all this needs to be man and you just <laughs> so much like a thought and effort into what should be just this and that's not to say that there couldn't be something in the way you just did this that maybe i want to squeeze a little more juice out of your lap contraction or whatever and i'll show you like a feeling in your body that will make this feel even better and make you stronger when you want to load it and make you be able to move easier when you want to move with it but like the the way that he was setting up is just not conducive to doing anything efficiently (laughs) i've heard that enough times now from from FP clients, man, that like, you know, man, one session, one session, getting them uh, to do some supine stuff on the ground. They just feel something, you know, they've never super saturated like that before. Um, you know, they're used to doing like hit training with a pole and, you know, that's really what it ends up being, right? It's like closer to that kind of thing. Um, and, and I want to bring this up, guys. This is important. We're touching up so much on the autonomics and the reflexive behaviors, but um, you know, how do we like, how do we establish these autonomic and reflexive behaviors? It's like, well, we got to address the shit that keeps us alive, right? Like our organs, our eyeballs, our tongue, how we breathe, the nervous system, all that, right? Um, and ultimately, you know, they're not getting that partially because of how they're orienting 
um, the bones through the body and like how they're tensioning the tissues as well, right? So like they're going out of their way, maybe one cam's going out of the way to like really lift up the shoulder blades and bring them forward, right? Or another cam's really going out of the way to like set their butt back. Um, another cam's really going out of the way to like side bend, right? Um, but again, all of these, th- like, you know, when we talk about the game, this is just for like the viewers too. We talk about the game and a big part of how I visualize movement outside of like the neurology is, you know, we, we have the different pressure cavities within the body and you're, you're trying to maintain buoyancy. You're trying to maintain your internal float. You su- super saturate within that. Um, so how, how can anybody who's doing this kind of work truly be stable or truly be setting the right parasympathetic signals? Um, how, how can they truly do that with this kind of work if, again, you can't really stay buoyant within the framework of how they're telling you to orient your body? Uh, are you asking, like, relative to these other systems? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I know, like, I'm, I'm saying you can't. I'm saying you can't yeah, really be, come from, like, a stable question. framework. Forget just, like, the fact that you're going to have autonomic and reflexive issues. It's like you're physically and literally not stable. Like you said, Nathan, you're like, they're operating at 40% output kind of thing. Yeah, I think, I don't think this is the case for everyone. Look, if we look at how we develop the, the stimulus variety or the eclectic nature with which our body is presented forces and stimulus and how it adopts that is what allows for us to be more or less capable. I can tell just off the off the bat, like my visual system, even though I've not trained it the way that a lot of like baseball players have trained it, is better than ninety nine percent of people because I grew up playing golf. So visual tracking of something in a distance is is there. In the same, because there's all that panoramic and there's all that light, getting used to a ton of natural stimulus uh, without there being the uh, threat of dangers or whatever allowed for me to get uh more comfortable with uh higher order stimulus or higher order efforts of motor control while i had stimulus issues so a lot of people who have stimulus issues don't give themselves the environment of effort that's required for their personality to take a liking to the effort so if we're at 40 percent and we need to come to terms with the fact that we're putting too much energy into it then we need to depreciate the decisions, but also feel like we can engage more of our energy that was being given to the decisions and no longer feel like it needs to go to those decisions. Instead, it's going to go to those autonomics. It's going to go to things that are more supportive to the fun we're having. We can't have fun if we're not present to the action. And we're not present to the action if we're thinking about it. So the only way to be present is to make sense of it through our sensory nervous system, to feel it, and to process that feeling in real time. So I think the best way for us to orient is if you see someone, you're talking to someone, you poke their buttons, you see how their face expresses. That's their face responding to their vagus nerve, their social engagement factor, they're responding to you, they're responding to how they feel, they're responding to the, the constriction or dilation relative to uh, their airway, their esophagus, their diaphragm, a bunch of different things. But at the end of the day, that tone is not shifting a ton. It's staying in a pretty like... Uh, staying a pretty close to the the base number. So, if we understand that variability, exposure to variability, and the allowance of variability is what allows us to be a little more reflexive without being this has to be this, this has to be this, it has to be this. In the same, our personality works where 
if we're around people that we don't like or around instances, I'm going to school and we're doing a bunch of homework and I'm being told I have to do this and this and this. And I'm like, dude, I have already, I know this. I don't, what, what, what are we doing right now? Why am I, why do I have to be quiet to let these guys learn? Can I just go elsewhere? Like the, the nature of being able to manage your stressors despite other social factors without telling yourself that there's a competency of, I didn't want to do this, so it's bad. I wanted to do this, so it's good. If we start to orient that effort is effort, the words around it are just connotative uh, uh, expressions of our limbic system, meaning feeling given description and then weight behind that description. Then at the end of the day, all we're really doing is we're perceiving this is effort. And then this is on the other side of effort. This is effort I like and this effort I don't like. If we just think about it as effort and we start to associate what things we're doing in that effort. Fuck, dude. If you're happy while you're making an effort you don't like, you're killing it. If you're unhappy while making an effort you do like, you got to work on some stuff. But it's as simple as that. It's why people like to surf. It's why some people like to like uh, trek in the mountains and not just hike, but like backpack. It's effortful. It's terrible. Like it's not outright fun, but the effort and the endurance and the the, the surrounded setting when you get to like let your mind be at peace despite there being a ton of stimulus. That's awesome. So mm -hmm. if you can, if you can separate <clears throat> your social engagement factor from the effort, meaning how do I feel about this effort? How do I feel about these feelings? Then you can start to orient. I've made up my mind about shit that I don't know how I feel about. It's everyone. Whoa. What you said. Yeah, that's the same thing I kind of mentioned earlier. It's like jumping to conclusions, just like prescribing how you're going to feel in a given situation. And yeah, I kind of like that. Like you can be happy doing something that doesn't inherently make you happy or you don't love doing. Um, yeah. And you can, you, and it's okay to be unhappy doing things you don't like doing. You don't necessarily have to force happy upon yourself too. If you can get to that point and feel like calm and like you know, like, okay enough with the situation, then awesome. But like, it's it's not a bad thing to feel bad. <laughs> totally. Yeah, happy is an output. You have to earn that output making more stable sense. And if it's not, I think you just look at it like, dude, if my toe's stubbed and I don't feel the pain, I still walk around with a stubbed toe. So I got to orient around, let's fix this stub issue. Not the fact that I don't feel the pain, whatever. But there's an issue. So fix it. Yeah. Eric, what would you say, like for you, the, some of the mental processing has been in, in, cause like you had a very like deep physical, like kind of background going into our work. And obviously we touched on biomechanical principles and stuff too, but what were some of like the, like mental light bulbs that kind of changed the way that you were like, even just training or, or orienting yourself? Mental light bulbs, uh, I guess in terms of my thought process towards the work, man, or maybe yeah, dive into thought the process work. towards the work and just like, I guess like kind of like patterns of like stress and patterns of like the overthinking or neuroticism where you, you realize like, like an example for me would be um, like in the past, the, the act of falling asleep would be something that actually felt like effort to do. Like I had to like, I would almost have to be like maintaining my body in a, 
somewhat like pressurized state to prevent myself from feeling pain. And, and through this work, I've been able to like release basically all of that. So now when I lay down, I'm just like a, a bag of rocks and it feels great. Um, but, so nice. but I had to like, I had to kind of recognize again, some of my tendencies to actually be like working while lying down. Um, so I was curious if you kind of noticed like any patterns like that for yourself. Yeah, at this point. Um, I, the biggest thing I feel is on like a global level, um, just globally more chill. And, you know, I've been, I've been doing the breath work. I've been doing, uh, you know, stuff revolving the tongue, the nervous system. I've been taking this in, but until move med, uh, I don't think there, there was that full on carryover at least again, reflexively, right? Because I didn't, I guess, inform my body of how to feel safe within these reflexive patterns. It's like I was training how to do the, the pattern that I want to see show up the right optimally, but you don't train it to happen reflexively. Um, you know, you might feel good when you're doing the exercise, but now it's at the exercise, um, you still catch yourself, I guess, getting into states of stress. So one thing I notice is I can just manage stress a lot better. I feel more chill than ever. Um, yeah, yeah, that's like the biggest thing, man. I feel more relaxed. Um, I think I'm I've always kind of been a chill person, but it's like movement is adding another layer to um yeah, it's just adding another layer, man, to the the ease that I feel on a day-to-day -day basis. And that really encapsulates like anything, right? Social interactions, um, training. I think I told you this in another call we did too, man. Like since movement, I've been more motivated even too about actually training and actually like, you know. It's been making me feel like, man, yeah, I want to keep pushing. Like, I want to be my best self. I want to get better and better and better, right? It's like giving me those vibes of like, let's go. Let's let's keep improving our situation. Um, so I love it, man. Yeah, that's sweet. That's awesome. I wanted to, to also ask, because you, <laughs> even before like the, the movement stuff were like experimenting with like the palate, the, the tongue and whatnot, and kind of going through some of those rabbit holes, um, when people are like trying to be aware of their, their tongue posture or just the function of their tongue, where do you think it, it goes wrong for people? Or like, what do you think is lacking the most yeah. that people need to like, make sure like this thing or this thing is kind of like occurring in order for your tongue stuff to actually like do much for you? You know, there's like, I mean, as you know, bro, there's, there's going to be so many variables to that, but I'd say like, first and foremost is. I guess how we're orienting our neck and skull. Like you're not gonna get a good suction if you're orienting yourself from, uh, you know, like flexed C7, depressed rib cage, neck and head forward, kind of situation. Then even the same thing if you're doing it from, you know, you're like flaring your rib cage, right? You're again, you're not gonna be able to like pressurize. The tongue would be one of the organs that's um, pressurizing and expanding within that jaw. So. Yeah, I'd start there, man. Like structurally, people kind of just having some structural issues. They're never going to, even if you tell them to like suck, you tell them how to create the suction, you tell them where to pressurize, how to internalize it. You know, it's not really going to happen if there's a bunch of structure issues. And that's where too, it's like with, with you guys, it's like um, sometimes there can be, in terms of my head, this is a little bit different, but um, it makes me think that the neck there's always something that's going to come first from like a, a physical structural standpoint. Cause like the air has to go through that, that pressure cavity first, right before it gets to thorax, pelvic floor, et cetera. But it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's something that I think people 
just struggle with big time because of the structural issues underneath the neck. So it's like neck is ground zero, but you know, again, if you got like sh- shoulder, rib cage, pelvis, pelvic floor, all that midline issues, then you're never really going to build up that suction. And I think the suction of the tongue and what's happening in the mouth kind of sets the tone for everything else. Yeah, I agree. I think that the neck can be called the core of the upper body or the core above mm-hmm. the diaphragm. And the, uh, I mean, when I, when I related the sternum and sacrum, it came to mind that the distinguishing thing would be, I'm essentially just qualifying the behaviors of the neck and the core are, are relative. But the thing that's difficult is that most people, if you look at their necks, let alone their their abdomen, there's not enough underlying pressure or fullness for them to be able to recruit uh, the twofold expansion compression or like get big, blow yourself up, and then squeeze yourself tight in that big blown up state. They either go one way or the other. They push themselves out, which doesn't necessarily expand them. And then, or they'll squeeze themselves tight, which doesn't necessarily brace them. So, as to say, uh, most people don't have a quality of coordination between how their neck or their mouth creates pressure, maintains that pressure all the way down through. And essentially, this is just consistency of tone through the, uh, the bag of throat. Like, literally, just the whole conveyance of if your midline goes all the way down to the diaphragm, as the esophagus then just think about keeping your esophagus full and trying to swallow through your diaphragm and then you'll have much more like correlative behavior between this swallow and that one or this sphincter and that sphincter now if we found out how to create that pressure and just understand that once you have that swallow you have just a little bit more negative pressure there's less positive pressure leaking out from those points well you're reducing the prolapse of those esophagus the, the sphincters there Okay, so if there's a direction and you see people creating tensions that don't beget those directions, then you can see people are anti-neutral. I think the biggest thing we can correlate is pressure being the conveyance of autonomics or being the conveyance of uh, internal tension management. So we have to have something to respond to the tension or respond to the forces. Our pressure is that. And if we can't contain it or if we can't like eat more pressure, then we can't utilize that pressure that we've eaten, so to speak, or we can't metabolize the kinetic that we've like held or contained as as pressure. So long story short or continuing off this long story as a long story, the biggest thing that we can achieve as a human being is understand if you have pressure in your gut. You have to maintain a consistency of retention. You can't just start exhaling and linking, which is what most people do. They'll go up to a high point, their high point of pressure, and then from there, they're going to gradually empty, which is not what we should do. We get to that high point, and that's our new neutral. We have to make that our new neutral. If it's not our new neutral, then we haven't earned that cap. And then when we get better and better, which is why we do deep pressure therapy, which is why we do kettle feet, which is why we do pro-oxygen or inhalative efforts. We're trying to uptake pressure so our tissue quality changes, so our tone changes. Not so we can change the tone quality like flowability, which is to depreciate the tone and have there be no active tone. We're trying to have it so that the tone is reflexive in the moment as the ability to be bioavailable to change. 
without us uh, deciding what that change looks like. It's going to go and support our change, meaning like the three dimensions of uh, or like the various d- dimensions of like the layers of our fascia or the layers of our nervous system. Everything intercorrelates to be a part of our personality. And if they're all compounding to self-support instead of I have to do this to do this to do this. Well, no, we're everything is purpose toward let's stabilize let's work toward making this happy let's work making toward this you can't be 10 hundred people 10 hundred i think that's a thousand mate i think that's a thousand all right you can't be 10 hundred people and uh not have there be a foundation or an individual in that collective there has to be a a source point a core a a core within the collective so you have a centralizing behavior cycle otherwise you're just going to be today on wednesday when i'm sad or when i have to go and do this thing for work or when i have to go do these things i'm upset or happy that's how my life works and then so i'm gonna be happy another two weeks but only once that two-week moment hits because up until then i have a bunch of shit i don't want to do no no it's not about the destination it's about the journey it's about learning to enjoy all the shit you would have otherwise not enjoyed Learning how to make that muscle building effort fun so that muscle is something you can look forward to building, not just be like, I can't wait till this is built. Mm -hmm. Yeah, manage all the emotions, manage all the positions. We're still able to stay relatively parasympathetic. We're still able to relatively pressurize appropriately. Yeah, and when you likable through the process of building. And when you do all that, your tongue will probably kind of naturally go up to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> sure. That's like, that's why we don't necessarily just, okay, tongue first. It's, it, there's so much more to it. Um, I got to run here in a, just a couple minutes to, to get to a session. Absolutely. Um, I want to just, yeah, shout out your kind of coaching groups that you're running, Eric. It's like uh, just all under the Flow Ops coaching membership. You've got like a members platform with a bunch of instructional videos and then like live coaching calls. And that's, that's essentially kind of your whole business at this point, right? Is everybody you see is pretty much through that platform. Yeah. Through that platform. We have, we have a new intro course now too. Um, so check that out if you guys haven't, but uh, yeah, the bread and butter, man, are the group calls in the community that we're building. And, you know, like I've told you guys, we're doing 100% move med in all of those calls because at the end of the day, it's, it's what's most potent. I think all three of us come from the same background where the reason why we were led to MoveMed, the reason why Nathan kind of made MoveMed to be was either because we were going through some stuff that we couldn't figure out and slash, or we have clients that we've dealt with and we know that there's more, or maybe there was clients that we lost along the way where it's like, man, I couldn't do enough for that person because I didn't know enough. You know, and uh, it really feels like we're there, man. I've never been more confident about how I work with people, how I help people. I've never gotten these kind of results. So I appreciate you guys for for changing the game for me personally. Um, and uh, and Nathan really going out of your way to like push me to get involved with MoveMed and certifying with you guys. Appreciate you both, man. I'm going to say thank you to Anthony for putting us in touch. But yeah, man, I'm grateful to have you on the team and you're a fucking rock star. You make us look good. Yeah, definitely. And anybody who's in our membership, the MoveMed membership platform, there's a class Eric did uh, a month or two ago, and it's it's a really good class where we go through some of the, the MoveMed stuff. He goes pretty in depth with the jaw and the the tongue and and just like that pressure building um, aspect. So if you haven't checked that out, 
please do. And if you, uh, if you aren't a part of our membership yet, it's only 50 bucks a month. And, uh, you know, there's so much information on there for 50 bucks a month. It's honestly a, a steal and it probably will be repurposed into a different form of platform in the future that could be more expensive. So I would get on that now sooner than later. Okay, boys, thanks for uh, stopping by. We'll uh, catch you guys soon. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, check us. Thank you.